0: Welcome to Do The Woo episode 144. Bob, how are you? I'm doing really good. How about yourself? I'm fantastic. The smoke is mostly cleared, at least for a day or two.
1: Oh, yeah, we haven't got any blown yet this way. But, you know, hey, you know, there's still time, unfortunately. There,
0: there is time, but the air conditioning is continuing to work well. So I, I can't, I can't complain. That's all that matters. <laughs> we have, uh, you've lined up another fantastic guest today, Bob. I'm quite excited. We have uh, Lindsay Miller joining us. Lindsay, say hello. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so Lindsay is the lead guide at Content Journey, and she is no stranger to the WordPress space. Lindsay. Uh, we actually first met back at the DIV in Oklahoma City about a decade or so ago. And it was like this this really interesting nonprofit that was focused on tech and innovation in Oklahoma. Would you tell us how you do the Woo and kind of walk us through your journey? Pun not intended, but it kind of works from <laughs> where you started in WordPress up to content journey.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think it uh, my first foray into WordPress was I was dating this guy. Named Corey Miller and I had a political consulting business at the time. And he was like, You need a blog. And um, I didn't believe him, but eventually I created Call Time blog and started writing about politics and how to fundraise, because that's what I did most of the time back then. And it actually worked. Like I did the thing, and like there's a whole great story of how I had like 15 blog posts written that I'd never published because I was scared. Um, And it actually got that guy, Corey, to start talking about just like clicking publish a really long time ago, which has kind of come around again lately because I ended up marrying the guy, um, shut down the blog, eventually kept the guy, Um, but really saw the value of um, posting what you know to the world and helping people um, using WordPress. And yeah, got started with the div, which we were teaching kids to code. Um, got involved in code.org that way. Now it's part of Oklahoma's public school resource center. So it still lives and breathes, even though it doesn't have the, the name anymore. Um, our ideas are still there impacting kids across our state. And the WordPress bug didn't go away. So I uh, stayed involved in the community and the space, ended up working for Liquid Web for a little while as a um, in the product space and brought the first manageable WooCommerce um, product to, um, to the space. And so I've had a lot of experience there as well, and then created content journey and still focusing on WordPress in a different way. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell for you all if, if no one knows about my background.
0: Tell us what content journey is. You're, you're the lead guide at content journey. What does that mean? What do you guys do?
2: Yeah. So I like lead guide because I feel like where it comes with SEO or content for, business owners or store owners is it's all really confusing. And so um, because I'm also not like, you know, I'm not off the scales on like the intelligence or IQ charts, I have a way of putting things where like we can all understand it, which means I can understand it. Mm. So if I can understand it, I can explain it to people. And it gets rid of that mystery. So I think, you know, as I talk to people like, oh yeah, I know I need SEO. I know I need content, but I just pay this person to do it. And I don't know what any of it means. And so I don't like how that feels where someone's paying somebody else for thousands of dollars a month and they don't really know what any of it is. And so I guide people through that process and make sure they understand what is happening and why and take away some of the mystery and the complications.
0: So I I think it's fair to say that for most folks, they would agree that like content, quote unquote, is important. Yeah. Can, Can you kind of unpack that a bit for us? Like when you think about content, what does that mean to you? And yeah, like start with that. Like, what does it mean to you? And then why are people, where's that coming from? Why do people agree that it's important?
2: I think there's a couple of different ways that we use content now, right? We say I'm a content creator, which could be I'm Bob and I create lots of podcasts and videos and tutorials, or I am a content creator on TikTok or Instagram where there's these people out there. And they consider themselves content creators. From my perspective, when I think about it, if you have a WordPress or a Woo site, is you're creating content that are helping qualify your leads. I guess there's a one part. Bringing leads to your site. So people who are going to buy your products or services and then better qualifying them, which means do they have questions that they need answered? Can you answer it through your content? So whenever they click that link to book a call or they click the buy button that they already like know what they're getting into. Um, And it's just overall being helpful and showing somebody like why you are the product or service that they want. And that's, that's how I come about it is being helpful and knowledgeable informational content creation.
0: I I love reading Seth Godin and read this is marketing last year and I'm reading the practice right now. And one of the things that one of the things I really like about it is this kind of focus on service right? Like if you're writing for an audience, if you're writing for them, it's like, okay, what problem can you solve for them? What magic can you bring to them? And at least in my experience so far, and I'm curious for your thoughts on like on the range of folks you work with. In my experience, when people get, tend to get stuck, it it oftens because they're looking too much inward on, oh, I got to do this. What do I have to do? Versus saying, hey, how can I provide value to the people that I'm choosing to serve? What What, what do you find? Like when someone... For the clients that work really well with you, how are they thinking about content?
2: Yeah. So when we first start working with somebody, I think that's their problem is they say, what do I write or how do I write it so that it actually works? And they just feel stumped what we do is whenever we talk to someone, we go, what are the questions you get when you talk to a new customer or a new lead? What are the questions you hear most often? And that's our first pieces of content that we're creating. And so to us, because we're coming in from the outside, it can feel so obvious. And then they just need someone to help guide them through that process, right? And ask the right questions. And then it makes their job easier. So We have a mental health facility that we work with, for example. And so they get calls all the time and they're not a good fit for them for whatever reason. And so one of the first things we did was beef up their FAQs and do blog posts that answered their most frequent questions. And all of a sudden their call volume went down, but they were better, higher qualified leads for them.
0: I like that. One of the things that uh, I've always personally wrestled with is this question of like, do I write it myself versus like, do I work with someone else? How do you, how do you tend to think about that? (laughs) That It's a difficult, it can be a really difficult decision, especially like letting go of something. Like, I don't think there's a, it's right or wrong. There's different ways to approach it. Like, how do you tend to think about that?
2: I have one person in mind that I currently work with where for them, it's like, Anyone else is going to write it, it's really not good enough. And so that like, they're not a great fit for us. And so we we helped figure that out and help them in the ways that we can where it's not writing. But I think as with anything, if we are entrepreneurs or if we're owners of our business, there are some things we just have to let go. to me, if like for content journey, one of our first goals is to really know the brand voice and as best as we can so that we can be part of the team so it feels seamless so that no one knows that we're actually the ones writing the content, right? So that is that is a goal we come in with. So I would say if you're looking for a writer, make sure they can represent your brand voice in the way that you want it to. And if it's like 90%, like a good solid A, then you can let go of it, you know, and be like, it's good enough. Um, it's not going to be probably 150%, you know, it's not going to be getting extra bonus points potentially if it's not you the one or aren't the one writing it. But it can be one of those things that, as long as it represents your brand in the way you want it to, you might have to let go of some of that control in that space.
1: <laughs> How do you advise, like, let's say I'm a somebody that designs blue sites and I work with a lot of clients. How do you approach it yourself and advise them to approach our client when their client thinks their writing is really good and they're, you know, Oh, and you, they, they know in their heart that it really sucks or, you know, in your heart that it really sucks. How do you nicely bring up that in, you know, in a conversation and say, you know, we need to look at this? Is it, you know, I, there's got to be something. I'm sure it's case by case, but.
2: It is. I I think it's important to just have a really strong back and forth like partnership with your clients first so that if there are tough conversations that need to happen, that you can. So our, our core value at Content Journey is like we care. So we care about ourselves. We care about our own families. We care about each other. We care about our clients and their success. And so sometimes that means that you have to say, your website is really ugly or your, you know, your your writing isn't that great, you know, and say it in a nice way. But hopefully that relationship already exists in such a way that you can give that type of feedback. Um, I feel like if I had a client that I was constantly criticizing all of their aspects of their business, if I said, also your writing is bad, um, they may not listen to me. And so I think it's a built on a foundation of trust, like back and forth first off. And knowing that, you know, if you are that agency, that your clients know that you really want them to succeed. And if you have to have those tough conversations, it's for the right reasons, mm-hmm. not just because we want to be know-it-alls on everything. <laughs> um, but yeah.
0: I was reading uh, Seth Godin's The Practice this morning. And one of the ideas that came out of that, it, it, imagine imagining situations like that, is it's okay if you really just want to write for yourself. If your goal though, is to write for your audience, then you have to be willing to sort of focus on them, right? It's like, Hey, maybe I don't have the experience, the tools that I need yet to be able to serve my audience effectively. But I'd say in general, if a client, if you're in, there's a situation where like their writing is really not that great by focusing on, Hey, how can we do more to serve the customer, the, the end user in this situation, then that's where you want to focus the conversation. It's like, do we know if this piece is working? Is it helping anyone? If it is, I don't really care if I like their style or not, if it's getting the job done. And, but if it's not, then that's where the opportunity comes in to say, rather than writing for ourselves, what can we do to more effectively serve the audience that we're, we're trying to provide value to?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think you have two different approaches. One is, and this is one we actually do internally now, is sometimes we say, okay, we're not going to write for you, but we'll edit. So we choose the keywords, we do the research, we're doing the strategy piece, they write them, and then we come on the back end and we do all of the editorial piece, right? So we make sure that it's optimized correctly and that sentence structures are there and readability is is good. Um, Secondly, what I would suggest is like, look at the data. So we go in every month and we send reports to all of our clients and we say, Hey, this, these pieces of content aren't working. These are, we may need to make adjustments. And we try to be really open and honest with that. So I would say to any of your audience, do the same thing. Look at the data. If their content doesn't perform as well as yours, then show that to them and suggest changes and, you know, go, go with that.
0: One of the more eye-opening experiences I had last year, I ran the WooCommerce.com blog for a quarter. So all the content that uh, that we published, I was responsible for sort of guiding through. And I had one of the things that I thought worked really well, because we had a team of writers and a team of editors, and we had content that was already kind of in the queue. And then there were things that I wanted to, to see come into it. And it was a really empowering experience to focus on this process of like, all right, we know we have good writers and editors. And I could focus on coming up with concepts and ideas that like, all right, we want a series that's focused on this and, and 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 also a piece focused on this and go to the writers with the ideas like, hey, this is what we want to convey. And it was interesting to me because it it worked really well, even as like each piece was a little bit different than how I would have done it, right? Like they took different approaches, yet the heart of the idea was still there. And so I found that to be a really empowering way to think about it, where it's like as an entrepreneur... As a builder in a situation where it's like, hey, it's it's more important for you to focus on the ideas that you want to convey. And and then in my experience, it was like letting go of the execution. It's like, hey, as long as the core of the idea is there, let the individual writer bring their own like way of approaching it. And I found that to be, <laughs> A, the job got done. Because oftentimes that's where the blocker can come in. It's like, oh, sure, maybe you could get it better. But you still got to click publish at the end yeah. of the day and get it done. right? Uh, So anyway, that was, that was, I'm curious, have you had, is that a, a typical way that you'll work with folks is let them focus on the idea stage of it?
2: So for us, we really kind of help come up with the ideas. And obviously we listen to their ideas as well because we're doing it from an SEO perspective. So what are the questions that their potential audience is asking? And then we need to create the content that answers those questions. So we, but would they do validate that? sometimes we have like fun things that come in. So for example, we work with a financial institution and Patrick Rowland tweeted something about in the Heights, you know, like the song where um, it was Navi is going, can you retire on this? Like with the lottery and all this sort of thing. And so Patrick like broke it down and I was like, what a great idea. And so I pitched it to the financial institution. It wasn't, it didn't have like necessarily SEO value, but had like cultural relevance. And so we did this really cool post um, where we tied together in the Heights with Patrick's tweet and what they're doing for their community. And they loved it. It made them so happy. And so like, you know, there's a little bit of give and take there. Um, What you're saying though about letting go of some of these process like as long as the idea is there i think that's relevant in so many parts of our lives so i am president of the board of an organization called free mom hugs and we hired an executive director last year she's wonderful she's lovely She is not Lindsay miller right and so i would we had this growing pain and we talk about this publicly so she wouldn't be shocked if she heard this you know someday um But where we agreed on the destination, but she was doing it differently than me. And I had some serious frustrations (laughs) for several months. And it wasn't until I realized, hold on a second. She's ending up at the same place that I want her to be. And she's doing it differently. And I need to let go. And once I did, because I did trust her and I liked her and I knew she was going to do a good job just to get there, no matter how she did it, my life improved, her life improved, the organization improved. And so I think we can take that, that lesson in lots of aspects.
0: That's a, that's yes, I, I agree. One of the things that, uh, And it's interesting knowing where to let go on something, right? I I used to work at a big agency called XWP back in the day, and we did all this like enterprise development and we successfully let go of some aspects of writing. And at one point we were doing a redesign of the site and we let another agency like (laughs) do the development for the site, which seemed to make sense. And it was terrible. In the like, it was really poorly done. Like, it was okay. It was good enough. However, given our standards and given like the type of work that we did, it's like the engineers on the team like just couldn't deal with it. It's like, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Like, it could be so much better. So ultimately, and they did decide, okay, we're going to let go of the design. We're going to let go of the other things, but we will do our own development (laughs) on it because this is part of our core value. Normally, that'd be a bad piece of advice for folks, right? But it's like if it's important. Other than that thing, though, let the rest go. And for most folks, if writing's not part of your, like, this is the thing that you do, then focus on what actually needs to get done and figure out a way to get it done. Don't let that, don't get held up in that process. That's at least what, what uh, painful experiences have taught me over the
1: Yeah, I'm going through a similar experience, although not just on content, but the redesign and rebrand of do the woo. That's right. And really in a nutshell, what I've learned is I think in the process of hiring an agency to do this, I had to do some rethinking of what I hold on to and when I let it go. So there was a particular instance where that direction had been going in a specific way in the back end. I'd been thinking that through and my tweaking and everything and their tool set shifted all of that. So mm. I thought, okay, here's my choices. We start over or I let it go. And I went with the latter. And I think essentially it was because I um, trust their knowledge and expertise to take the project in the right direction. So
0: there, I'm, I've seen some interesting ideas here in tension. First, there's this, this idea of it's the destination that matters, right? Like. As as a builder, like as an entrepreneur in a situation, it's like be clear on where you want to go, and then let go of like the steps in between, right? Like that that really resonates with me. on On the other hand, when it comes to to writing, and and I'm curious, Lindsay, for your thoughts on this with SEO, there's also this degree to which it's the process that matters, and disconnecting somewhat from the outcomes, right? Because it's like the destination, if you will, is like I want perfect SEO. And yet there's so much about this that you can't control, right? Mm-hmm. So even as you're letting go and emp- maybe you're working with someone else, you're empowering your team uh, to to do it, there's this degree to which you can't control the outcome. So you might get frustrated, for instance, you're a couple months in, why aren't I seeing the magic of that destination of perfect SEO that I'm after? So how do you think about that? In a situation where there's not much that you can't, con- there's only limited control, how do you... How do you think about that? And how do you guide the folks that you work with to think about sticking to that process?
2: I think there is so much education that goes into this. I think for the most part, I have clients that are coming from other agencies that you know haven't gotten the information they wanted, not just results, but they're just confused on what they're even paying for, which is why I combined SEO and content so that because it feels better when we see output, right? We're doing stuff behind the scenes. Right. We're doing these technical things, but they're now also getting content that goes with that, which makes it feel better for people Um, and also works (laughs) more effectively. Right. But I think there's part of that is educating from the very beginning. We're going to start this process and, you know, it, it will work. We all know it works like creating content on your site, no matter if you're doing it specifically for SEO or not, like clicking publish works. Um, But how long does it take? And so we just kind of talk through that from the very beginning. From a strategic standpoint, and this is something that all of your listeners can implement as well because it's nothing super top secret. um, Typically, whenever I come in on a new client, I'm going after really easy keywords to to gain uh, so that they can see some uptick. It may not be like the 30,000 visits, um, of some of the higher, you know, more valuable keywords, but we go after questions or we go after longer tail stuff where there is like a lower difficulty level so that psychologically our clients are seeing some movement. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is, again, I don't think it's unique, but I think it's an important part of our process so that they do feel a little bit better, um, And then as we were talking about letting go of stuff, I'm, I have like our process pretty like tightly controlled as much as it can, because once we go through setting up the strategy, we have people who like write the brief and it sort of is how I want it to, like, what do I want this piece of content to look like? How, what questions is it answering? What is it addressing? And so that goes out to our writers um, very deliberately. And then we have a content Uh, director who has a phd so she is like amazing on editorial and then we also have a quality control so it touches like every piece of content touches like four or five people's hands because i want it to be you know the best it can be so as far as like you know i'm telling everyone else to let go but then i have (laughs) some of our stuff really tight um and still you know control it a great deal.
0: Part of the way that you're doing that though is to set processes up that aren't dependent on you, right? Or it's like you 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 take the thing that you care about as the entrepreneur and say, okay, I care about this, so I'm gonna put the work up front into creating a process so that I can have confidence in the outcome and then I can let it go. Right. Again, yeah. that's and that's that's the key. <laughs> like for the things that you care about, for the things that matter to the problems that you're trying to solve, you stick with them. And figure out a way to remove yourself as the dependency. Like if you're thinking longer term, right? And it's been interesting watching some of the, like, in our space, we get to see these like companies of one and, and like smaller teams and like all these interesting like acquisitions, et cetera. And I, it's just important to continue to ask questions of where, where do I provide the most value right now? And if like... There there are things that, all right, yeah, I'm gonna continue doing this. I don't let this one go. But oftentimes there's a lot of other things around that you can let go of and actually increase the value that you're trying to provide to the folks
1: that you're serving. Hey Bob WP here, and I'd like to take a moment to thank two of our pod friends for their support of Do the Woo. Now, if you're looking for that right plugin for your clients Woo Shop, chances are Yith will have what you are looking for. With over 100 plugins, I'm sure you will find that sweet spot. For example, the memberships and subscription plugin is perfect for selling videos, courses, lessons, consultancies, by restricting more access to member-only and creating recurring income. To complement that plugin, the YIT Dynamic Pricing allows you to create your own Amazon Prime-like benefits and discounts for your members. Visit yetthemes.com to check out their extensive collection of plugins. When it comes to building sites for your clients, everyone has their own strengths. If you need help with your clients' conversions and revenue, the team at ModeEffect can be a part of your strategy to help your clients avoid the hassle of management and training. Partner up with ModeEffect and let them help you keep your clients running smoothly in the long run at ModeEffect.com. And now let's head back to the show. Yeah, again, I can really relate to what you said, Lindsay, going back to that working with the agency. I'm not expecting them to let go as they have a process in place that relies on everything I share with them. So I think as builders, they need to build that trust so clients don't randomly hold on to ideas that are really better left to be changed by advice of the agency or whoever you're working with. So anyway, it's been quite a learning experience for me. And with that said, now let's flip over on the Woo side of things. And just because I know you've had some experience working content in Woo stores, and I've always heard this. I mean, this is constantly talked about around, you know, the product descriptions. I mean, you have these specific pieces that touch on Woo and the importance of that. And some, I think some product, you know, they just... They grab, you know, I, I remember reading something about somebody was just, it was horrendous because all their, uh, they were basically grabbing the product description from the company. They were buying the product and just replicating it and just dropping it right in there. And they weren't even thinking of their customers themselves. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience around that part of it?
2: Yeah, especially like when we do keyword research, it's really surprising that if we optimize, you know, product pages or even product descriptions, that they have their own SEO value. So um, everyone knows, like Corey and I both talk about this a lot. Um, we, we sign in DAs with all of our clients, but if they talk about us, then we can talk about them as kind of our, our rule of thumb. Um, so Vita Bars or TheVitaBars.com, so it's a shampoo and conditioner for curly hair. And they are not on WooCommerce now, although they will be eventually, but they are on WordPress. And doing the keyword research for their products, there is so much value in just looking for specific types of shampoo. So sh- like shampoo bar for dry scalp, you know, and so we can talk about that in a blog post. But if you just talk about that on the product page for that specific bar, it's it brings, you know, a decent amount of traffic in and of itself. Whereas if it gets buried in something or gets added to a blog post, it may not have as much value. And so we went through and just like made sure we're, you know, lining all of that up really specifically with those product descriptions. And we're seeing it pay off already.
0: I, I, that's a great example. I was looking for something that uh, that a writer I know okay, had come up with this concept and I, I was searching for it. And I was hoping to just find like a one page that's about that concept that I could reference. And instead I was finding blog posts talking about that concept. It's like, I just want the one pager. And that that was the equivalent of like, send me to the product page, which in theory and And probably, in practice as well, would be a much better like if you had the product page at the top, yeah. not only is like and it's well optimized, it's got the the content, the descriptions are there, and they can buy it
2: <laughs> <laughs> that, that last part is important, right yeah. and they can buy it <laughs> summer e-commerce right
0: and which is which is about focusing on thinking about what problem you're solving, right? It's not just saying, okay, we need a blog and we need a bunch of content on it, right? Well, if you're a store. Like one of the beautiful things about WordPress and WooCommerce is this ability to like bring content, like merge, blur those lines between content and commerce, right? And I, th- I can see there being a lot of opportunity for that.
1: And th- that's interesting because I was thinking how many times I've searched for something and I'm not necessarily, well, I may be searching for a review. I may be searching for a specific, I want to buy this product some place that has this. And that mix that comes up at the top there between, you know, if I want to buy the product, if it's a bunch of reviews, I just get discouraged. Like Jonathan just said, I don't need you to tell me about the damn product. I'm at the point where I want the product and that's what I'm searching for right now. So it it almost seems like you could, you could learn from some of those reviews or learn from some of that content, some of the key words for your product, not that you want to do research that way, but... It is, it is a mix off in the, in the results and getting it up there. And I, cause I, I feel like some that I've talked to in the past don't feel like it's, it's almost like they have that mentality that, yeah, I've got to write about it in my blog. It's doesn't really gonna matter what specifics I put in my product description because it's not really paid attention to. So, but it's just the opposite.
2: I mean, all that content is still indexable by Google. Right. And I think there's probably something eventually that's going to come in with, you know, Google putting their own shopping stuff um, above our WooCommerce products. I think there's probably something to watch out for as that keeps moving and as they keep wanting to to own the e-commerce aspect. I don't know that it necessarily plays too heavily right now and some of the things I've seen anecdotally but I think it's something we need to be aware of going forward as they try to capture that market in their own space.
0: So, let's talk about the builders for a little for a bit here. So, with let's take agencies, for instance. They're doing e-commerce for clients for the agency themselves, How how would you guide what guidance would you offer about how they should think about content? Like if you're a service provider, freelancer, micro agency, big agency, like, how do you think agency folks should, those service providers should be thinking about content for themselves?
2: So for themselves and, or not their clients? I want to make sure I understand.
0: Okay. Correct. Like, like, like for instance, that the one, one thing could say, okay, well maybe you're a service provider. You have a website that has a description and no content, right? Like that's, that's your baseline. But if you're going to, yeah, if you wanted to attract your own clients or better serve mm-hmm. your own clients, like how should they think about content?
2: I think it's a great question. So I have two agencies that I work for now um, and create content for them. That's For one of them, we do blog posts, we do lead magnets, and we do email. And for them, it's showcasing their expertise in the space. So they do a lot of e-commerce stuff. It's not just WooCommerce specific, but we want people to know whenever they come to them that they can solve their e-commerce problems. And so we create the content that showcases that. We put it out on social media. So that if somebody is either heard their name in conversation or a friend referred them or they're Googling, that they can go in and just kind of have this cursory knowledge of, okay, yeah, this person knows the things because they're talking about stuff that I should probably know or be aware of in my space. And so I think that's one angle. Is it just I mean, I know I look everybody up now before I spend money with them, especially when it's in a woocommerce store, like if you're gonna I'm gonna spend thirty thousand dollars with you, like and it's my livelihood. If this website doesn't work, I don't make sales, and I'm gonna make sure that I'm choosing the best one. And so I think we do that through our websites and we do that through that content. so, Um, if I were an agency, I would definitely think about how do I showcase my expertise to anyone that comes to this site so they know I'm the one that they need to spend their money with.
0: And I think it's worth adding too that like, one of the things that you could get, a trap you could get caught into is this idea in the agency space that it's not successful if it doesn't have a lot of traffic, which is just not true at all. You might only have like, you might have, I'd rather you see, see you have like 10 excellent blog posts that only have a couple dozen views each. And those views turn into clients, right? Like when someone goes to your site and they see those things, like you might not have a bunch of traffic, but they see that expertise demonstrated, and and that that can be one of those those sirens, at least in my experience, where it's like, oh, I, I got to get lots of traffic on this, or it's just not working. If you wrote it for the right audience, even if you had to share it with them directly yourself,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that that is it's just a powerful way of putting yourself out there, putting your ideas out there, and demonstrating the expertise. I'm curious, like when you look at performance and you're advising clients on things like traffic, et cetera, like how do, how do you how do you balance that like uh, what they ex- what they're expecting versus and you know, what's happening, whether it matches or not?
2: So great question. I'm not going to say the agency name, um although we might be releasing a case study in a couple of months. We've kind of been talking about it. Um, But when I first started working with them last year, their organic traffic was pretty much non-existent. And so we're coming up on, I think, 10 or 11 months now. And the traffic itself, I mean, it's increased for sure. I think it's been maybe an 18 to 25 percent increase almost every month. So it's done really well. But I was like, it's not as big as some of my others. So like I have some clients where we've increased the organic by like 900% in 12 months. Um, But this agency is just like not as much. And so I kind of had this like inkling in the back of my head, like, oh, gosh, like this isn't going well. Like it's been some uptick, but not enough but we talked two weeks ago and they said they've gotten started getting their first organic leads coming through the website because of the content we've created. And like, they are pumped. They're excited. That's why they wanted to do this mutual case study. Cause they wanted to like help me like talk about what we've done for them. And I was thinking, I didn't tell them this, but I was like, Oh my gosh, I thought you were going to fire me. And instead, like <laughs> they're really happy with what it is. So I think that matters too. Right. And so how do you measure it? Like yeah, we didn't gain 900% for them like we did for some others or for one other specifically, but we have gained where they wanted us to and where they needed us to. So it was a smaller traffic, but it was the right traffic. Like what you said too, it was to the right audience and to the correct audience. And so that matters too. But also like, you're buying a shampoo bar for twenty dollars, or you're buying an e-commerce store for twenty thousand dollars. That's a different type of traffic and a different type of purchase, too.
0: So, so let's let's so for the service providers, the, what I'm hearing from you is this focus on demonstrating expertise, right? And and to this, to what we've just covered, it's not about the volume of traffic; it's the quality of it. And you, yeah, like. Uh, For an agency, for a service provider, all it takes is a couple of leads for you to see uh, an exponential return on your investment in in that space. On the other side, we have product businesses. So for builders who are selling plugins, extensions, themes, uh, and and, or even just their own like straight up doing their own e-commerce stuff, right? How do you guide them to think about content? What's different? What's the same versus folks who are like on the service side and it tends to be that lower volume?
2: Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of different ways. You know, I, I think what we've done in WordPress is we just try to be really helpful overall. Like, I think that kind of sums up our community. And so I think for plug-in owners and, you know, theme shops or whatever it happens to be, um, is thinking, how can I help our customer, even if it doesn't directly relate to our product? Is there something that we can do to help educate or or anything along those lines. And so that's typically how I think about content for them, is how do they be a thought leader in this space that pertains even adjacently to what they're trying to sell? Because once people find someone they can trust that's really trying to help them, especially in WordPress, they're going to keep coming back to that person, whether it be for new content, to be educated, or to purchase something.
0: I love that you said the our customer part because the implication is that you know who your customer is. Like In my experience with writing, that tends to be one of the areas where folks will struggle is this kind of scattershot, try a bunch of different things approach versus saying, okay, who exactly are you serving and what problem are you solving for them right to that?
2: No one knows that. (laughs) Right, Jonathan, Bob, like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, like, nobody knows that. Like, we ask in our onboarding calls, it's like, so do you have you done a persona exercise like development? And 95% are like, nope. And so we have sort of what we do when a client comes in. I mean, we have very large enterprise clients that are with us that have not done like basic persona development. And so Part of our onboarding is asking those questions and sort of creating that for them without them knowing what we're doing. And it's, you know, a cheap, easy, fast way of doing it, even though it takes an hour or two, but it helps us know exactly who we're writing to, even if the store owner or the agency or whoever doesn't know themselves.
1: Okay. I have one last thing I want to touch on before we go. And this is probably more on the product side than the agency side of doing service work. And this is my pet peeve. I mentioned this. I think we have to drive this into their heads over and over again. What about that about page?
2: Everyone loves about pages. Like I think here's my I don't know. I should have found out what your pet peeve was before, Bob, but I love about pages. I think people look at them.
1: What is your recommendation to these builders who I mean I, I've gone to build I've gone to places, I'm gonna buy this plugin. There's nothing about them except they say that we're a team of wonderful people that do wonderful things to the society and we stand around and sing Kumbaya or something like that. (laughs) And I'm like, well, that's really great, you know, but I I still would like to know a little bit more about you. What what kind of final, you know, tips on how to make your about page appealing? Because it's it's true. I want to know who I'm buying from a lot of times.
2: I'm exactly the same. If I go to buy a product, I sometimes will go, okay, who am I? Especially in WordPress. I'm always like, who's behind this website? And I go and look at it. And if I don't see a name there or a face there, I don't even have to recognize them. I'm not going to buy the thing. Like, I think people like to buy from people. We like to work with humans. And we don't want to be tricked. And so, yes, do the About page every single time. And I read a stat, it was a couple of months ago, that essentially said um, About Pages are like the second or third most visited on any site. And after I started looking at that, it was true. Like if I look at my client sites and my analytics every month, About Pages or about our team are always amongst the highest visited on there. Um I have a a thing It's like tips for writing the perfect, like about us page. And so you start talking about like, what do the customers want to know, like who they're doing business with? So what's your impact? What are your values? Who is it? And making sure that all of that aligns with those target customers, if you know who they are um, and how you're serving their needs. And so it's clear headlines. It's easy to navigate. It's speaking directly to your core values that are aligning with theirs. Um, There's some backstory, but I don't think there's a lot of backstory. It doesn't need to really
0: bury. The origin story.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right? Like there's some of an origin story there, but that's not really why they're there. They don't want to know that uh, Lindsay Miller grew up in Ullabah, Oklahoma on a cattle ranch, and that's why she was going to create content for you. Um, That really makes, (laughs) there's no value there. But what is it that I bring to the table that speaks directly to why they're looking at my about page (laughs) and so that's what we have to do and i think you know you look at some and the bios are you know 1500 words like no one wants to read that much about me like they want to know how i'm going to solve their problems and so i think the about page really has to speak to that Mm -hmm. very directly not where i went to elementary school or even college like what my gpa was like none of that's important for the work that i do day to day does that sort of answer your question? I went on my own little tirade right there.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I and I really wanted it to be the last emphasis because I, I swear, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that exactly what you said. I've said it myself. And I say it on Twitter all the time. I went to this site and I didn't see an about page and they lost a sale or a potential sale because, hey, it just because. So I, it was more of a reiteration of, a, you know, as a final thought is to um, tell them to basically get off their butts and have, you know, either do it themselves or have somebody else do it for them. Bob, can we have a second final thought? Yeah, you can have a second final thought. (laughs) So
0: first, Lindsay, you've got me. I think I'm going to have to look at my about page again. Um, But last question. So if someone's thinking about writing, maybe they haven't done anything over the past year, they have the, ah, they should do some more writing. Where would you suggest like folks start? Like, how how do they get that kind of unstuck?
2: Gosh, yeah, I think writers just have to write. I know that sounds like really cliche, but it's just making it a habit. So, um, you know, the three things like there's three places right now where you can go and kind of help yourself get unstuck. One is Yos just did their summer school where they're talking about writing in several of their courses. So that would be a place to go look. Um, Shameless plug, obviously, Digital Marketing Kitchen. There's a Facebook group. Um, that Corey and Rebecca Gill run. And that's a great place to talk about, you know, writing and SEO and how that pertains. And then they started this thing in post status too of click publish, where they're challenging each other to publish for 30 days in a row. Some people have done, oh, I'm going to publish every week or I'm going to publish every month, but making it a habit. And so finding a community and setting a time on your calendar and just, you know, doing the work and then actually publishing it, not like I did way back in the day with call time blog.
1: <laughs> cool. All righty. Well, I knew this would be wonderful. Um, Lindsay, Thanks. you've been on my other podcasts. I, I think you've been on, I won't say how many other podcasts I've had, but I think you've been on two of the other podcasts, which is uh, which is uh, uh, probably one of the records so, um, that you actually have come on different platforms and graced your Face me with your presence, so. <laughs> it just
2: goes to show I'll follow you anywhere, Bob. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> where can people, you've already talked about your website, but where can people connect with you if they want to reach out to you, you know, website and social and all that good stuff?
2: Yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. So contentjourney.com. Uh, I'm mostly on Twitter uh, at wp, And then I'm trying to be better at Instagram which is content.journey. And so you can watch me struggle to click publish over there myself. (laughs) Very cool.
1: All righty. Well, just like to give a quick thank you to our two pod friends that are supporting this particular episode. Yiththemes.com. You heard from them earlier on. Their uh, extensive collection of plugins and modeeffect.com, an agency that will help you with a lot of your woo needs. So do check out both of them. And A final big, big thank you, Lindsay, for joining us today.
2: Thank you both for having me.